Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. Today, I want to share with you some powerful lessons my homeschool mentor taught me. I didn't know I needed a homeschool mentor after teaching for two decades, but I did, and God provided one. I think you'll be blessed to hear what she's taught me. Before we jump in, I want to thank my sponsor, CTC Math. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. Favorably reviewed in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review, the lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way, not to a test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy-to-understand way and in only a few minutes at a time. CTC Math uses a multi-sensory approach, having the combination of effective graphics and animations synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with practical assessment. This three-pronged attack makes learning so much easier and more effective. Even students who struggled with math are getting fantastic results. And those who were doing okay before are now doing brilliantly. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. Before I tell you the lessons my mentor taught me, I have to tell you how we met. I was in the valley. It was 2019. My husband had had a stroke. Dear friends and family members had been diagnosed with cancer. My kids had made some choices that made me feel like a failure. And the day before, my new puppy had died. I was at a volleyball match out of town, and I just learned that the only mom I chatted with wasn't going to be there. I walked into the gym, and the woman called me up to sit next to her and her husband. I knew that they had homeschooled their 11 children and that their youngest was on my daughter's volleyball team. I noticed that she was always stylishly dressed, but that's all I knew. I don't remember any of the small talk we made before she taught me my first lesson. It was this, God loves you. Yep, it was the Sunday school mantra, the billboard cliche all the way, but she kept repeating it. He loves you so much, she said. Yeah, I know, I thought. I'm a Christian. I know he loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die for me so I can live with him eternally. Why is she telling me this? That day, I didn't have an answer to that. But months later, I knew why she was saying it. With everything I'd experienced in the previous year, I doubted that God loved me. 
sure, he loved me in an esoteric, this is what's best for you, I'm the boss kind of way. But he couldn't possibly love me like a daddy. Not the way things had been going. He knew that's what I was thinking. He knew, I thought, he didn't care. And so he sent Sandy to say he loved me and to keep saying it until I really heard it. Since then, I realized that we homeschool moms are vulnerable to the lie that God doesn't really love us. Subconsciously, we so often think, if you really loved me, you'd fill in the blank. But he does really love us and has already given us everything to prove it. He is working all things together for our good. Now I thank him for having me in such a low place that I could really see the lie I was believing. I thank him for arranging the circumstances that allowed me to meet a woman who would be a powerful and much needed mentor. Lesson number one is God loves you. Lesson number two is your children are dirty, rotten sinners. That seems a little harsh, doesn't it? (laughs) But that's what Sandy said. And strangely enough, it's what I needed to hear. I needed to know that Despite all the Bible teaching, church going, and fervent prayer, that my kids were still sinners who would make mistakes. It pointed out another lie I was believing deep, deep down. I thought that if I did my job right, that my children would do right. But that's not necessarily the case, and we know it isn't. I think we cling to this lie that homeschooling is a guarantee because it means we're in control. Sad to say, we are not. The way Sandy and her husband talked about their kids' mistakes surprised me. They laughed like they weren't to blame at all. I was used to the veteran homeschoolers who believed that other people's prodigals were always the parent's responsibility. It was a sign of homeschooling gone wrong, of a failure in faith. I had bought into that thinking, despite the story of the prodigal son. There is no evidence that either the prodigal or the older prideful son went wrong because of something the father did. And if we acknowledge that the Father represents God in this story, how can we feel responsible for these dirty, rotten sinners? And that's what they are. That was lesson number two. Lesson number three was like it. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner too. Sandy told me how her husband introduced her to Christ in college. Looking at her and her beautiful family, I assumed that she had done everything right after that day. But I was wrong. 
She told me about her selfishness and unhappiness in her marriage early on that had her wanting to leave. I was so surprised. Even though I'm a psychologist who has heard people's darkest secrets, I still assume that most people are better than I am. That means I have to hide and cover up my sin. It wouldn't do for people to know how bad I really am. But Sandy knew without me telling her a thing because she knows how bad she is without Jesus. And it doesn't make her want to quit. Not anymore. She knows that Jesus came for her while she was still a sinner. I know that too. And I want to stop hiding. Lesson number three is, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner too. Lesson number four is, you need the word of God. When I met Sandy, I watched her flip through index cards of scripture and meditate on them at a volleyball match. That was after she and her husband told me that he read the Bible aloud to his family every morning and evening to the point that he had read the entire Bible to them dozens of times. I was in awe. The two of them were so steeped in scripture that as I spent more time with them, I found myself wanting their opinion on just about everything. I knew that there was no human teaching that could compare to knowing the word of God that well. I spoke with Sandy recently, and we chatted about a loved one's battle with anorexia. I explained that I saw this woman have a tiny sample bite of ice cream and then feel compelled to go for a long walk to burn off the calories. Later, our conversation turned to my spiritual life. I said, I always read the Bible, but lately I haven't read as much. She said, so you're having small sample bites of the scriptures and you're trying to run a marathon on that. I said, you're saying I have biblical anorexia. She said, no, you said that and laughed. Whoever said it, it's true. Why, when I know that the word of God provides so much peace and wisdom, would I spend so little time reading it? I made a change after our conversation and I'm seeking to read after each meal. It's my spiritual food, and I feel refreshed after it. It isn't legalistic, but purely selfish. Lesson number four is, I need the word of God. Lesson number five is to do my husband good all the days of my life. I had only gotten to know Sandy and her husband for a couple of months when he had to cancel attending a volleyball tournament due to illness. We were shocked when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died two weeks later. Truthfully, I'm still shocked. 
I have watched Sandy take on the role of widow in The Lord's Strength. I have listened to stories of how her husband loved her over the years, and I have been impressed with them both. But I was convicted when she said that she had prayed Proverbs 31, 12, to be able to do her husband good all the days of his life. I had never prayed that prayer. I never even thought to pray that prayer. And here I am with the blessing of a husband who is still with me. How might my marriage change if I prayed this prayer? How might yours Lesson number five is to do my husband good all the days of my life. Lesson number six is there is still hope. I saw Sandy have hope for her husband's healing until his last breath. But I knew she would have that attitude. Here's why. Sandy has witnessed a mother's worst fears realized. That's why she could encourage me when I feared for my own and my friend's children. She reminded me that God can use our children's mistakes for His purposes, for their salvation and the salvation of others. On that first day we met, when she had no idea that I was fretting about my kids' choices and their faith walk, she told me that there is still hope for our children no matter how old they are or how far off they are. Sandy didn't profess a hope in homeschooling or good parenting, but in God. Hebrews 10.23 assures us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. If Sandy could sit with you, She would tell you that God loves you so much, despite the truth that you and your children are dirty, rotten sinners. She would tell you that you need more time in the Word to finish this race. She would encourage you to pray that you would do your husband good all the days of your life. And no matter what you and your children are facing, she would tell you, there is still hope. Thanks again to my sponsor, CTC Math. I will be back next month with a new episode. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. Happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Psycho with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.